discuss agape, the God kind of love. And we go so even far as to take what's called the agape challenge so that we can become the people who God wants us to be for a world who desperately needs us. Stay tuned for more. Well, I wanted to start our conversation by thinking about the things that we major in. When I was an undergraduate, I majored in business and also finance in particular. And that gave me an opportunity to think about the financial markets and eventually even pursue a career in the financial industry. When I was a graduate student, um, I actually went and actually got a degree and pursued focusing on the areas of both missions, but also systematic theology. Both of those gave me a rounded perspective of the mission of what God was trying to do in this world, and also how I could best serve God and his people by actually figuring out ways to share that gospel in ways that were relevant to our particular cultures. And also at the same time, I would be remiss not to even say that I also majored in a young lady at that time who eventually became my wife. And when I think about those things that we have majored in in life, it's always something that you particularly focus on that grabs your attention, that you pursue, that fills you with knowledge and, and eventually gets you skill, that you become unique in areas of life for people in the world. We've been specializing in majoring on the idea of the biblical doctrine of God's love. And as we've understood the biblical doctrine of God's love, we understand that God has given us a, a high bar as I like to call it, a high bar of what this love really describes and what it really means. It's, it's so far above the love that you and I naturally would possess and naturally would think about. You know, sometimes I think about love in the context of the emotional feelings I have or just the great things that I actually love in life. Um, but when God actually begins to share with us his kind of love, it doesn't compare. You know, he talks about how he gave his only begotten son so that who shall ever shall believe in him shall no longer perish but have eternal life. That's John three sixteen, And he tells us also that in John fifteen thirteen that no greater love than anyone could have if he would only give up his life for his friends. It's, it's, a, it's a, an astounding kind of love that God actually has for us. And that love is, is sacrificial. That love is caring. That love is giving. That love goes far above what we would actually physically desire to do in our own sense. Well, today I wanted to help us go a little deeper in that aspect of God's love. And we're going to look at it by going to what I would call the magnus opus of love scriptures. And that's in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, where the Apostle Paul does something extremely unique. I think that in all the scriptures that we have read, there are none that are particularly uh, specific and particularly practical as what the Apostle Paul shares with us. He is helping the church at large understand how significant their role is in the world as it relates to this word called love. And he does that in ways where he tells us how to live it out. And so we're going to look at some particular verses of scripture, you know, starting with um, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 31. In, in that verse particular, he says to you and I that earnestly desire the higher gifts and I will still show you a higher way. And so he first starts the concept and the conversation of love by, by explaining to us to desire the higher gifts. And those are just some of the things that we pursue and we major in in life. 
you know, for a particular skill set, vocations, or like I mentioned, a particular love life in and of itself. And uh, when you focus on those particular things in life, God says desire them earnestly. Desire to be an individual who is able to give greatly to the body of Christ based on your teaching or based on your prophesying, based on the songwriting that you're able to do, based on the businesses that you want to create in the world. Um, But also he tells us uh, very, very uniquely and very, very pointedly, but I still show you a better way. Because the better way that we start to see really, really quickly in the scripture is that If we don't have love at the center of all the things that we do, the things that we major in life don't really amount to much at all. And let me give you a couple examples. When he begins to pursue chapter 13, he begins to give us great examples in verses 1, 2, and 3 that I would like to explain to us. Apostle Paul begins to say to us, if I speak in the tongue of men and of angels, but not have love, I am a noisy going or a clanging symbol. Now, so contextually, what that really specifically talks about is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that was first given to the church. And when that outpouring came, and we can actually read that in Acts chapter 2, we actually see that men began to speak in other languages that people would begin to understand. So they didn't go out and actually learn these languages, but God actually poured upon them an understanding of how to speak languages of other people. And when that happened, people understood that God was now present with them. And so Paul is actually telling the church, you know, desire that gift, desire to have the ability to know the unknown languages that you never actually physically learned. God will actually pour that upon you. But he still says that if you're not doing with it without love, you are a noisy going or a clanging simple. What does that really mean? You know, when we are just speaking an unknown language or a language that um, is not known to you physically, but is known to someone else. If you're not doing it from an act of love, which means that you're not conveying what that language really means for a person who needs it, you're just a clanging, a a noisy going or a clanging symbol. You know, the reason that God has given or gave those gifts in Acts chapter 2 and poured upon people were so that people could understand God in their own language. That, That was the reason. And so when God actually pours down us a prophetic language that Uh, that is an unknown tongue specifically, you know, God is trying to help us to convey his glory, to convey his gospel, to convey his goodness to a people who would otherwise not be able to hear. So that's really the point. And so there's a love motive that, that we are that we are either missing if we are not having another individual to actually share that too. And so think about those four aspects. There are individuals in this world who God also who will give the gift of prophecy to be able to see things that you and I just out of normal circumstance of life would not be able to see. He's also given us the ability to understand mysteries and understand knowledge and to even have faith uh, to do great things. And I, I particularly love the one that is about faith because uh, I love to see when God shows up, shows out, and does things. And, you know, I really love Mark chapter 11, verse 23 to 24, that says that if you have faith as the size of a grain of mustard seed, you shall be able to say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it shall be done to you. It's one of my daily prayers, actually, you know, in a lot of circumstances where I use the faith that I have, and other people have done the same, so that God begins to move on our behalf for the things that we are asking God to move in our life. Now, it's so interesting that God begins to say to us, but if you don't have love, it means nothing at all. And so even if you are able to have faith, 
<laughs> There's some things that I, that I desire and, and those who love to, to, to believe God and have that come into your life. Even if you're not moving in the aspects of love, you are nothing at all. Even if you are prophetic uh, with the things that God has given to you, even if you're a songwriter and musician who God has given you an art so that you can actually translate and, and convey to people the meaning and the things uh, that God wants to share with the world. If you're not doing it from an act of love, God tells us you are nothing. If you become a PhD and, and a great scholar and a great thinker, and God uh, gives you that gift to have knowledge, to share with the world, if you're not doing it with love, you know, God says that you are nothing at all. You know, all these things begin to, to shake us up a little bit because I think that we all begin to fit into these categories where we have a lot of skills, we have a lot of talents, but sometimes maybe we're not doing them with exactly what the love that God has given to us. Well, in verse three, he also leaves, he adds another group. So he leaves no one out. In verse three, he says, if I give away all that I have, and if I deliver my body to be burned, but not have love, I gain nothing. And these are, you know, beautiful uh, individuals who are humanitarians, who are sacrificial for this world. You know, maybe they're philanthropists. Maybe they are, are givers of this world who are always advocating for change. But God is saying to us still, if you're not doing it out of love, you are nothing. And so we've got to really understand, well, what, what is this love uh, thing that God keeps trying to point out that if you have all these gifts, skills and talents and abilities, then you are nothing. You know, when, when I think about love, you know, it, it, it begins in this Greek word that's called agape. And um, as I think about this word agape, it was a word that had no particular unique meaning until it actually got defined through the scriptures. And what I mean by that is that every time you started to see God express himself in love, for example, we've heard about maybe Matthew chapter 22, verse 37 through 40, where it says that God told us that the greatest commandment is to love God with all our heart, all our might, all our soul, all our strength, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. And so that word itself where God is expressing to us is also agape. And even when God is telling us in John chapter 3, verse 16, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believe in him shall no longer perish but have eternal life. The same word that is used there is also that word agape. And what I'm trying to highlight is that the word agape begins to have new meaning when it actually begins to relate to God and the things of God. Because the word love itself it is a word that we all know and understand, and we have our own, own meanings around it. But when God begins to express himself through love, the bar becomes so much greater. That's when you think about who God is and who Jesus Christ is, you know, from a unique perspective of life. And because, you know, God is ever sacrificial. You know, he is ever loving. He is ever merciful. He is ever good. And he begins to express that kind of love to us. And, and Paul practically shows us what that looks like in the scriptures. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4 says that love is patient or agape is patient. Uh, love does not envy or both or agape does not envy or both. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not uh, resentful. It is not irritable. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things. Love believes all things. Love hopes all things. It endures all things. Now, I, I wanted to share with us you know, what that begins to practically look like in our own personal life. And, you know, really grateful that as we've discussed love as a community, that we've had such good conversations that I want to share with us, one in particular. My wife had actually uh, told us how she began to understand 
agape, she began to understand and relate to this first Corinthian scripture. You know, she was taught that as you look through first Corinthians chapter 13, that wherever you saw the word love, you could actually replace God with it because she was taught and it was understood in the scriptures, uh, such as first John chapter four, that God is love. And so if God is love, you can actually replace his name with love and you would actually get a fuller and greater meaning of what that of what God is and how he is love in, in your life. And so let's do that today. Let's begin to put our put God in the scriptures and begin to understand what he actually looks like. So I'm thinking that you can actually begin with verse four and says, God is patient. God is kind. God does not envy or boast. God is not arrogant or rude. God does not assist on his own way. He is not irritable or resentful. God does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. God bears all things. God believes all things. God hopes all things. God endures all things. God never ends. And Jesus Christ is the express practical example of what that love looks like because God didn't just stay up on his throne and actually just recite these words, but he said that I want to come down on the earth incarnate into a man so that the world can actually see what this love begins to look like. So when you so when you think about uh, these scriptures, you can begin to now parse out and think thoroughly. How did Jesus Christ himself express that he was patient and kind? You know, when he actually came onto the earth, I remember in particular that he met a woman at a well. And uh, the story is actually told in John chapter four, where she had many men before and uh, he wasn't even supposed to be talking to a woman in that cultural sense. But yet and still, he was patient and he was kind with her. He was actually able to share with her all the prophecies of her life. But he did it from a motive of love because he wanted her to actually become transformed and become the woman who God actually wanted her to be. She eventually became the first evangelist that we've actually seen in scriptures where she goes out and actually shares with others who God is in this world. And so God was patient. He was kind to her. And we also see that love does not envy or he does not boast. You know, really in particular, uh, you can think about when Jesus Christ was going uh, through his passion, when he was about to be hanging out on the cross. Uh, you, you see that he never once boasted about what he could do. He was actually what we call a humble lamb led to the slaughter. He actually allowed himself uh, to be beaten. He allowed himself to be hung on the cross so that he could actually express what God actually desired during that time. And you see that at any point in time, he could actually defend himself or he could actually take up his rights to actually eliminate anyone else because he was the one who was all powerful, the one who was almighty. But he chose not to do so. When we think about not being arrogant or rude, you know, there's not one time in the scriptures where we see God actually be rude. I, I know that there's times where he has corrected people and, and he uses righteous indignation, such as flipping over tables or actually uh, calling the Pharisees, you brood of vipers. You, you know, in our context, that might be rude, but it also in a way was what we call righteous indignation, where he was actually expressing what I would call the, the anger of God, the, the good anger of God that actually didn't lead to sin, because he was trying to, in a way, shake people up to help them to see what God truly wanted and what God desired actually for their life. And so there are times where we can be bold, uh, when we can... Uh, Allow the fire that God has given to us to be expressed in a way that shows people who he is more clearly. And that's what Jesus Christ was actually doing for us. It says also that a love is not insist on its own way. 
Now, this is one of the most beautiful aspects of what love really is in our life. When you think about love not assisting on its own way, and you think about God not assisting on its own way, or Jesus Christ not assisting on its own way, even though God so loved the world, he chooses not to force any of us to actually receive his love. He actually first goes out and demonstrates that love to us and says, if you so choose, you can actually receive and believe in me and begin this life in God that you've actually never experienced before. And that's one great aspect of love that, that you and I um, maybe don't really quite always live out because sometimes we want to insist what we do is right and what we want to see others do, uh, they should do based on what we want them to do. Instead, God is not that way. His love is a is a freely choosing kind of love where he says that you have the opportunity to walk the path that I've given you, but I'm not going to force you to do it. The other thing that, that the scriptures tells us about love is that it's not irritable or it's not resentful. Now, I want to quickly get into talking about myself that I want to correct myself. But first, we're talking about Jesus Christ. He is not an irritable person. He is he is not a resentful person. You know, one of the greatest things that I've ever seen in Scripture is when one of his 12 disciples actually abandoned him and rejected who Jesus Christ was. But instead of actually shunning him to the side, he actually gathered Peter back to himself and he specifically kept asking him questions. Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? In the same way, Jesus Christ asks us those questions over and over again. When we fall away, when we walk away from the things that are good in him, he always looks at us as if we are the one of the hundred that have actually walked away from his goodness. And he says, do you still love me? If so, come on home, come on back. Just like he did and expressed to us through the story of the prodigal son. You know, the other thing that we see in these scriptures, uh, particularly in verse six, is, is that Love does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. And Jesus Christ is the same way. He does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but he always rejoices at the truth. Matter of fact, Jesus Christ says, I am the truth, the way and the light. He is not looking to uh, see wrongdoing actually be uplifted and presented in a way that is actually really true. But he actually gives us what's called a biblical truth. He actually even shows us during seasons and time how to figure out what is true and what is true justice in this world. And I'm even thinking about how he tells us how to care for the poor. He tells us how to care for the marginalized in the world. And we saw that as one of the greatest aspects of loving your neighbor um, in the Old Testament, where God would actually have the children of Israel uh, leave marginal goods, leave marginal farming goods, you know, on the fringes of their society for those who actually could not actually receive from themselves, showing them that it was important to always give back to those who were, were in need and always showing them that it was important to um, always be fair and always to be just. And that's sometimes what we lose sight in our culture, how God is a just God for the poor, not just a, a God who we can actually believe in for eternal life. But he, he does social and practical things that actually begins to change this world. And that's something that we should actually do as well if we are to be people who walk in the love of God. Uh, one of the other things that we see in here is that love bears all things, love believes all things, love hopes all things, love endures all things. And we see that expressly in Jesus Christ. I, I think about the last word where it talks about endures. No man <laughs> endured on the cross like he endured for a sinless life so that he could actually express to you and I who he was and how much he loved us. You know, what endurance that is. You know, God is so enduring that... Um, 
he could easily change this world in a heartbeat because we have rejected him. But he is enduring, being graciously merciful, merciful to us so that none should actually perish, so that we could all learn to actually love him and believe in him. That is a, a loving God that we are actually seeing day by day in our lives, but also we see historically and factually through the scriptures. Now, what I wanted to do now is, is now that we understood who God is through the scriptures, now, one of the most beautiful things that, that, that we could actually do is understand that God wants to take us to a new horizon. He wants us to not only understand who he is and who his love is, but he actually wants us to walk in that kind of love. That's actually what it means when God says that this is the greatest commandment. The greatest commandment is to learn how to live our life in the agape kind of way of life that God actually desires for us. So he, he desires us to, to no longer just think about love in the way that we naturally would think about it. And that's where I like to share with you my own personal story about love is because when I first saw these scriptures in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, I didn't understand how big and how huge and, 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 and magnificent the love of God really was. You know, I understood that Jesus Christ came and he died and, and was buried, but I didn't understand how life-changing his kind of love could actually be for my life. And so when I first explored, you know, these, these scriptures, I began to see that the love that I grew up and understood was more than just emotional kind of love. I began to understand that you didn't just fall in and out of love, but that God was actually showing us that there is a kind of love that is volitional. There's a kind of love that you actually choose to actually give to another person. And that's where you see these in the scriptures. And um, it becomes life changing for you because uh, it, it, what it can do for you, like it did for me and like it continues to do for me, it begins to show me that there are times where I'm walking in the pathway where God desires me to walk, and there's times where I'm not. And so today I, I wanted to give us what's called the agape challenge. I wanted us to challenge ourselves to actually put our life into the scriptures and see, are we walking in a manner that's worthy of the love that God has actually given to us? You know, my wife really helped us with that understanding because as she began to share with us how to put God in the scriptures, she said that one of the things that you can also do is put yourself in the scriptures. You can actually begin to see, are you walking in the kind of love that God has called for you to walk in by substituting your name with the word love? And so today I like to do that for you to be able to give you a demonstration of the example of what that looks like. And so when I look at verses four uh, through seven, I began to change love with the name of Joseph. And I began to say, Joseph is kind. Uh, Joseph is patient. Joseph does not envy or boast. Uh, Joseph is not arrogant or rude. Joseph does not insist on his own way. Joseph is not irritable or resentful. He does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Joseph bears all things. Joseph believes all things. Joseph hopes all things. Joseph endures all things. And those aren't just words that I'm trying to say and become, but I'm actually trying to measure myself. That's why I'm giving us what I call the agape challenge, because every single day I, I challenge us this week uh, to be able to put yourself in the name of love in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and begin to challenge yourself and ask yourself, how did you do today? You know, were you patient and kind? Were you envious or boastful? Now, were you arrogant or rude? And, and as I've been doing this over this last couple of days, you know, I, I failed a couple of times. The Ingrams themselves, because we've done it together as a household, we failed. Uh, we have 
been irritable or resentful, even in our last night conversation where we both insisted on our own ways in the conversation and weren't willing to actually give up our rights. And that's what the Agape Challenge does. It begins to allow you to measure whether or not you are on the pathway where God desires for you to do, or if there's still more work that actually needs to be done in your life. And, and in my life, there's definitely more work that needs to be done so I can begin to live out what these scriptures actually begin to say in my life. And so you might be thinking, um, you know, why would I actually want to participate in what's called the Agape Challenge? Well, I think you want to participate in it, not only because it's God's commandment and it's God's scripture, and he's asking you to actually grow and become who you want to be. Love, I, I would call, is, is the foundation. It is the, the center point behind all the things that we will ever do. And um, there's a particular scripture in verse 11 that I like to read to us that says, when I was a child, I spoke like a child. And I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. And that scripture, rightfully taught and rightfully understood, is, is trying to help us to understand how to become mature in Christ. You know, and so God has a plan you know, for our life. And, and that plan is for us to really learn how to be examples and demonstrators of what love looks like from him. All the way from the beginning, Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, God said that he created us in his image and in his likeness. And so the number one purpose that God wanted us to be in life was to be like him. And so if we're going to actually be like him, the, the greatest example is Jesus Christ, which is the express image of love. And so the reason why we want to grow in love is because God created us to love. And if God creates us in any kind of way, it's going to be the thing that gives us the most fulfillment, the most joy and the most peace and the most happiness in our life. The greatest life for you is on the other side of love. Uh, the greatest life for all of the world is when we are able to express the love that God has actually created us to love one another with. And that's why God said it's the greatest commandment. The greatest commandment is when we learn how to freely actually be what these actually scriptures say. That's when not only our life changes and becomes fulfilled, but also the world itself becomes more fulfilled because we are learning to use our gifts, skills, and talents that benefit one another, not just ourselves, but actually benefit one another. And every time we fail to give our talents to each other in the world, we are missing something that is significantly important. You know, the Apostle Paul in chapter 12 uh, of 1 Corinthians told us that the, the whole body of Christ is like a physical body where you have hands and you have feet and you have legs and, and you have a head and you have eyes and you have lips. And they all actually fit together and, and, and not one is more significant than the other, but all actually fit together. So the eye can't say to the foot, I don't need you or the foot can't say to the nose, I don't need you because we need the nose for smelling and we need the feet for actually walking. And so each of us actually have particular gifts that when we learn how to use them by loving others, we become such a, a special world and a special place. And that's why God begins to say to us, that's the reason why we love. It, it is the purpose. It is the end goal. It is the end result of all the things that we do. The last verse in chapter 13 says that faith, hope, and love abide, but the greatest of these is love. You know, love is the greatest out of all of the great ideals that are from God. You know, the great ideals are faith to be able to accomplish things. The idea of hope, you know, which is great that we have eternal life. And then Jesus Christ says that the greatest of these is love. 
because it is the expression. It is the purpose behind all the things that God desires. And this is how they work when we actually learn how to actually place ourselves into the sphere of love and begin to live it out. I challenge you this today and challenge you this week uh, to take the agape challenge. Place yourself in the scriptures. Place your family in the scriptures and begin to say, was I patient and kind today? Did I walk out the love that God has for me? Continue to insist on our own rights or do we learn how to love each other just as God loved us? And I pray that you do the same challenge so that you can receive all the benefits that God has for you this week and for all of eternity and forever and every single day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have a great week. We love you.